you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Thanksgiving is what we do. It's how we live. It's an attitude. And uh, tonight I'm going to begin by talking about Thanksgiving. Next Wednesday night, Pastor Brandon is on schedule, I believe, to speak to us. And so I won't have an opportunity to take a Wednesday night to talk about 
thankfulness and thanksgiving. And so I'm going to use tonight to do so. I hope I'm not too early. I hope I'm on time and in tune with what the Lord would like to bring us to tonight because thanksgiving brings wholeness. Thankfulness brings wholeness. And this is what I want to talk to you about tonight. It is living with the spirit and the attitude of thankfulness and understanding that there are benefits to living with the attitude of thankfulness. Thankfulness is an action or an attitude of gratitude. And so learning to live with that spirit and attitude of thankfulness uh, will change us. When we, uh, our attitude toward God um, and what God has done, our attitude toward what God has blessed us with, these are things we think about. Of course, Thanksgiving uh, in its day and season is an American tradition. And many around the world, of course, do not understand Thanksgiving uh, because it is an American tradition that uh, started just only a couple hundred years ago. And so um, I'm not here tonight to talk about Thanksgiving Day as we celebrate it as a holiday, but I'm here to talk about a heart of Thanksgiving. I'm here to talk about a spirit of thanksgiving and how that our thankfulness uh, affects so much of our life in so many areas of our life that when we live with a thankful heart, that that thankfulness brings about a certain sense of wholeness where if we live uh with an attitude of entitlement, which is so prevalent in this day and age. I think it's maybe, I, I don't know, I, would, I, I don't want to call it generational, but I will say that I see more people that just expect the world to be handed to them uh, in this day and age we live than in any time that I ever remember before. Uh, they're expecting that... Uh, they show up to work but don't have to work but still get the paycheck. Uh, just because they walk in the room, everybody should bow down toward them. And so it is, a, it is an attitude of entitlement. And there are a lot of things that are attached to an attitude of entitlement that will destroy relationships. It'll, it will destroy so many different areas of your life. And ultimately, uh, an entitled spirit will work against you. And a spirit of entitlement is truly the opposite of living with an attitude and a spirit of thankfulness. So instead of recognizing how blessed we are, what God has done for us, and, uh, and, and considering that just because that I was born at a certain time or I uh, dress a certain way or have a certain amount of money in the bank that I am entitled. And the truth is, no matter what your name is, where you came from, none of us deserve what we have. You ever think about how fragile life is? Being uh, a pastor for, for more than 20 years um, here, a senior pastor, being in ministry most of my life, uh, I have I have stood at many coffins with 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 families, and I recognize how fragile life is. Just one thing, just one breath, we are all just one breath away from eternity. And to think of that and understand that how wonderfully, uh, how marvelous it is that God breathed his breath into us and gave us life but there are so many functions of the human body that just one of them could decide not to operate properly in the matter of minutes, life could be over for us. Now, I'm not trying to create fear. I'm trying to remind us of how thankful we ought to be for every breath that we have, for every day that he gives us. It's a blessing. Every day is a blessing. I hear a lot of my elders say, you know, well, when you get my age, when you wake up, and you, you kind of shake yourself and say, well, I woke up today, it's a blessing. But I'm going to tell you, for every one of us, every day is a gift. Every day is a blessing. And so I believe the first thing we ought to do.
wake up every morning is we ought to be thankful unto the Lord that he's given us another day. I believe in bedtime prayer. It's good. We ask the Lord, you know, we, we, we teach our kids the little rhyming prayers. And now I'll lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. And uh, I've, I've heard it done humorously in all sorts of ways. But the truth is, is when we wake up every morning, we ought to wake up, stop, pause, and think about God's given me another day. Now what am I going to do with it? And I want to be thankful in this day. If we study Scripture, we find that everything in Scripture, particularly the model that is given to us, um, when it talks about the, the tabernacle and the things that are spiritual, we enter into His gates with thanksgiving. It is the first act in the tabernacle that... The tabernacle, of course, is a type of Christ and a type of salvation. And the, 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 the very beginning, the very foundation of the tabernacle plan begins with thankfulness. A thankful heart grabs the attention of God. And so none of us, none of us deserves what we get. So when we enter into the house of the Lord, I believe that there is a great prayer model in the tabernacle. We've done that here, for those of you that have been members here, where we have literally walked through the tabernacle plan. We have, we have uh, taken a different uh, part of the tabernacle, um, a different setting in the tabernacle, and we have focused on that each night. And it is a great prayer plan. There are... Uh, plans of praying through the tabernacle and what that basically is is how you start into prayer and where you end into prayer of course you end end in prayer into the holies of holies where that the spirit of God has come down and consumed the sacrifice on the mercy seat and so uh, you're in the holies of holies into the presence of God but it begins with thanksgiving before you ever get to sacrifice it begins with thanksgiving and so I believe that this is a great, I, I'm, 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 I'm touching several different things tonight, but I believe that our thankfulness is a clear sign of a heart that is seeking to please the Lord. Everything about serving God has to do with gratitude. This past Sunday, we received the sacrifice offering, which was the completion of the launch period of our um, vision initiative and now for the next two years of course we will be moving forward and we talked on three different Sundays here we talked about stewardship and stewardship is not really about sacrifice but stewardship is about gratitude that's how the scripture teaches it it's about gratitude it is a grateful heart because God loves a cheerful it is about gratitude, the, 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 the spirit and gratitude behind what we're doing. That's why that God works through our gratitude. It is the first, it is the first station in entering into the presence of God is, is thanksgiving. I believe that every service, when we walk in, the first thing we ought to do as service begins is give God thanks. Every prayer you pray, we should begin with thanking God for what he's given us. I think it's more than just when we sit down at a table and pray over meals, which we do in our home, and I hope you do in yours, and, and uh, we do in restaurants and wherever we go, and sometimes people look at us strange, and sometimes people look at us with envy because they wish they had that in their home. But I believe that Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving reveals the depth of the heart. A stingy, unthankful, and selfish attitude will destroy every one of us from the inside out. It, it, it may become evident on the outside, but a stingy, unthankful, yeah, yeah, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, but still, 
I have this certain sense of entitlement because of who I am, what I have done, what I've accomplished, what my education is. None of those things matter in the eyes of God. But he is looking for a thankful heart. Thankfulness is really a heart condition. Thankfulness speaks of the heart. And it often can't be noticed by the eye. Because sometimes we look at people and unless we pay close attention to how they live their life, then we will miss the fact of their thankfulness. I want to point our attention tonight to Leviticus chapter 14, which tells us about a disease that literally turned people into, for lack of a better term, into the walking dead. You couldn't, you, you couldn't miss the fact. Those who had leprosy were dying from the inside out. And obvious, this, this became obvious from the disfigurement of their bodies. And so leprosy was a disease that the symptoms of the disease started on the inside. And by the time it became visible on the outside, it was often too late for there to be a recovery on the inside. Now, leprosy in Scripture is used as a type of sin. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point, I, I hope, tonight, but I would like to take a few minutes, and I would like if you would give me the latitude in teaching tonight to use leprosy as maybe a type of unthankfulness. Leprosy started with specks on the eyelid and in the palms of the hand. Gradually, it would spread over the entire body. One of the effects of the disease was that it destroyed nerve endings. And the victim reached a point where they could not feel pain. So they could burn themselves but would not realize they're burning themselves. Or they could be in the cold and have frostbite but would have no idea that there is frostbite because their sensitivity to pain was diminished to where they had no way of feeling. The Bible uses a term and talks about sin, and cal the, the, it uses um, the analogy of there being uh, like calluses on the, the hand or on the foot that would cause us to be past feeling, the King James Version uses, to be past feeling, to become so calloused that it that we become past feeling. And so therefore, we are not sensitive to anything that is happening around us. Now, with leprosy, as it took effect, and had more and more negative effect and impact on the body. Some writers about, about leprosy talk about it and say that the sensitivity was so diminished until a person could literally, physically, nerve endings or even the part of their body that was being affected without even realizing it. Now that's pretty gruesome, wouldn't you say? Now, some of you would probably rather me be talking about cake and ice cream. Now, although leprosy wasn't excessively contagious, it was treated as though it was. There was some possibility of infection, but the doctors today say that leprosy was not nearly as contagious as people thought perhaps that it was. But with its contagion, the people with leprosy became social outcasts. They were required to live outside of the city, unable to take part in all but one of the sacrifices in the tabernacle. Now, there were other diseases that a person could have, but no other disease was treated quite like leprosy. 
You could, you could suffer all of the indignities of the flu. You could have different infections or be paralyzed. You could have heart disease or any other things that may affect the human body, but none of those diseases would require you to go to the priest to be viewed or to be reviewed. None of the diseases required an individual to go to the priest to offer sacrifices for your cleansing. Now watch this. This is why it's a type of sin. Only lepers were required to do this. They had to go to the priest, they had to take a sacrifice, and they went for their cleansing. Now, this is a strange, strange thing. Only leprosy called for the person who was healed to present themselves to the priest before they could be released back into the population. Now, you can perhaps let your mind run with me tonight and see why that leprosy is so clearly a type of sin where that we must bring a sacrifice, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It would be all right for you to preach with me tonight. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And so you had to bring a sacrifice to the priest to review and announce that you are cleansed. Only lepers had to do this. That's because sinners can't send the pastor to God in order for their sins to be cleansed. The only way that sin can be dealt with, no matter what that sin is, as you are myself, whomever it may be, the sinner has to go before our Heavenly Father, and we bring the sacrifice to Him, and only He can cleanse us from our sins. Beautiful, beautiful analogy of sin, as leprosy is that type of sin. Only leprosy called for the person to go before the priest. Now, there was all sorts of things they had to do. They had to shave their head. They were required to bathe their bodies. Every now and then, I run into a few people that I want to say, you need to bathe your body. It would have been all right. You could have said amen or laughed, either one. It both meant the same thing. I got it. You're in agreement. I can tell. And they were required to make sacrifices to the priest before their God. Leprosy was the only disease that called for the leper to come into the presence of God and ask for cleansing. Leprosy in the scripture is that perfect type of sin. Just as leprosy will leave its mark by its distinctive scarring, sin also will leave its mark and will haunt us for the rest of our life if it is not dealt with. Everybody say guilt. Because although our sins may be forgiven, we live with the scarring or the guilt of sin. That is why there is only one way to deal with the guilt associated with sin. Because that guilt associated with sin, I believe, is handled when we go down in water baptism, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission, it stops the effect of sin. And so therefore, that is the washing, that is the cleansing. There is, listen, your sins are not literally left in the water, but your sins are put under the blood when we call on the name of Jesus Christ in obedience. So therefore, the leper that has the marks on his body he has to live with and deal with the rest of his life. He could go before the priest and be announced. The lepers were healed, but it was only the one that came back to Jesus and fell at his feet and gave him 
thanks came with a thankful heart. He was not only healed, but he was made whole. <laughs> he was made whole. The text describes this scene of one returning back. Sometimes, let me pause here for a moment, because Thanksgiving doesn't always happen at the moment that it really ought to happen. Sometimes we've got to be removed from the setting for a few moments to really appreciate just how great we have it. About six or seven years ago, I'd have to count, I went under the knife for lower back pain. They did a microdisectomy in my lower back. I had dealt with back pain for 19 years. I ruptured two discs in my back when I was 30 years old. I was 49 when I had back surgery. For 19 years, doctors would tell me that I just needed to do these certain exercises and you know I would be okay. And I really didn't get better. What really happened was I lost a lot of good years of my life and I got worse. Eventually, I went under the knife and they did surgery, and the doctor described the microdisectomy as being similar to that of trimming a thumbnail, and they literally trimmed the disc off of the nerve to make room for the nerve to be able to move freely without irritation, and the pain will heal. And the doctor said, because that you have been dealing with pain so long, that even when we remove this and there is nothing irritating that, you will have a very long road of recovery until your body learns that it is not in pain anymore. I had surgery and it took me a year and a half before I ever felt like I was back to where I was before I had surgery. During that time, I had some regrets about having surgery. I was wondering if I would ever be the same. I had heard every horror story, and I was wondering if I would ever just be back the way I was before surgery, much less being better. But about a year and a half in, I woke up one morning, and I realized I'm not hurting. And I hadn't had that for a very, very long time. And everything that I would do, I recognized I had to learn to live without the pain. Now that's odd in of itself. But after talking to the doctor, he said, your brain will tell you that there is pain there even when there's no pain because of the memory factors of living 19 years with, with the pain. Now listen, this, this is called, this is what scarring will do. I'm trying to make a point out of this. When we live a life of unthankfulness, the Bible ties unthankfulness and unholiness and the lack of holiness together. It says unthankful and unholy. It ties the two of those together. When we live a life of being unthankful, for so long, the sensitivities of, of our being are so misconstrued from the way that God originally designed it that we are not holy. So we come, we repent, we're baptized, we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're saved, sanctified, set free, and think we are ready to go out and conquer the world, but we are not even holy yet. Oh, well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and on fire for God. I'm ready. No, you're not even whole yet. Because we have to unlearn the unthankful and unholy life that we have lived all of these years and get to a point where we are going before God with our thankfulness until He announces us, you are now clean. You are now whole. 
Does that make sense? I'm trying to tie this together so that we can have an understanding of what it actually, what thankfulness will do in our life and what the scar of unthankfulness will do. When we carry that so long in our life, there is not just a moment of feel good at an altar and feel the Holy Ghost chills up and down your spine or be baptized or, or, or pray with somebody and feel the joy of the Lord. That doesn't fix every scar in your life. But thank God that He doesn't stop working. Because speaking with other tongues may be the initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but I did say initial. But then there are other signs because they are going to follow them that believe. And so the other signs that are going to follow, people want giftings and gifts of the Spirit. I, I was amazed last Sunday night at how God moved so powerfully in this service. And I, I commended Dylan for being so sensitive to what God was doing. But I'm going to tell you, he didn't wake up one morning and just all of a sudden have sensitivity to the Holy Ghost like we experienced on Sunday night. But for about 25 years of his life, I think he was born just about full of the Holy Ghost. And most of his life, he was working toward sensitivity and understanding of what God is doing. And it took years of dedication and consecration to where that sensitivity is honed. But I'm going to tell you, you can't go out and live a life of sin and bad spirits and bad attitudes. If the fruit of the Spirit does not reign in your life, I'm going to go ahead and say what I believe. But if the fruit of the Spirit does not reign in your life and there is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and mercy and patience and all of the gifts, the, the fruit of the Spirit, if they are not working in your life, then the gifts of the Spirit will not work in your life. And when we live a life without the fruit of the Spirit for so long, we don't even know what it's like to have it. We get one fruit operating in our life. We get one fruit growing in our life and think that, that we're the entire, you know, we're, we're, we're the entire uh, a fruit garden. And I've met a few people that I want to call a fruit garden. Forgive my fruit garden. Nuts a fruit garden. I think I've met a few nuts in my life. So we have to be careful and allow thankfulness to grow in our life. Now here's what happens. I'm just going to break this down and talk to you for a little bit. But unthankfulness can come into our life because bad things happen to us and we will get focused on the problem and on the struggle and on the pain and on the discouragement and particularly on the hurt. And we will forget to be thankful. Last week my wife and I talked with, with someone who went through a very, very difficult trial in their life. And they had a very, very difficult day. And I was moved to tears when they said the first thing we did when it was over was we went to the house of God and fell on our face and thanked God. You mean you, you're supposed to thank God when you go through pain and agony and discouragement? You don't know what God is doing. When we live with an attitude of thanksgiving, we don't know what he's doing. You may have a flat that frustrates you and makes you late from work, but the same flat that frustrates you and makes you late from work may cause you to miss the moment that the semi comes across the lane and would have met you head on. We need to learn to be thankful for the things we cannot control in our life. comes into our body, I don't understand it, but maybe God is working something greater 
Maybe that family member that you've been praying for is going to see the miracle that God does in your life and the peace he gives you while you're walking through it and on the other side. No, 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 not when you're in it, but when you come out the other side, you're going to understand, oh, that's why. But when you're in the valley, you don't sense it, you don't see it. But being thankful in those moments changes the outcome. Let me stay with my notes. There are a lot of healed people in the church. But there's also a lot of people that have never been healed. I thank God for some of the ministries in the church that's focusing on wholeness. We have our Genesis group. I thank God for our Genesis group because what it's doing is helping us work on some of those things that that we maybe couldn't control ourselves and couldn't help ourselves, and they brought hurts into our life, and we don't even realize how we are responding and the negative impact it is having on our relationships. I thank God for that. I thank God for every Bible study group that we have. Because you know what they're doing? They're teaching us the word of, of God, ultimately trying to help us get to the point where we understand that the most important thing is not, is not just how I feel, but it is how what God is doing in my life. There's a lot of healed people in the church, but not a lot of people that have been made whole. Because you know that you've been made whole when you can praise him on the bad days. Mm -hmm. It's easy to thank God when everything's going good. I talked to someone yesterday, and they were so excited. They had sold, they had sold a home, and uh, they made a statement and said, I, I, my wife just walked up and showed me uh, the, the iPad and showed me that the deposit was made today. I've never seen that much money in my bank account. Woo, thank God. That was exactly how they said it. And I said, hang on, bud. Can you say, whoo, thank God on the day that the bills are due but the money's not there? Can you say thank God on Monday morning when the back's hurting but it's time to get up and go to work but he's given you a job and strength to get up and go to work? Can you be thankful over the small things instead of the having a lot of money in the bank account? Can we be thankful over and for our daily bread? Because we wouldn't have the daily bread if it wasn't for his goodness to us. Let me draw some parallels here. Leprosy began around the eyelids and on the hands. And one of the first senses affected by leprosy was vision. How they saw their perspective changed. Can I draw this parallel right now? Because the moment that we move away from unthankfulness, away from thankfulness into unthankful, our perspective will change on everything. The moment that we stop thanking God for the message that kind of like made me need to go shine my shoes because he stepped on my toes, from the service that at one point I would be thankful to be able to enter into the house of the Lord but it just seems like, oh, it's just humdrum and going through the motions and I didn't like the music or the singing or the message and nothing really fit me and nobody came and complimented me and nobody talked to me. What's going on? Vision, perspective, because we've moved away from being thankful just to have a moment in his house. Better is one day. I talked about it Sunday. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The first thing that sin does is causes people to lose their vision. Unthankfulness will move us. It changes our perspective. We move from a perspective of thankfulness into unthankfulness. Because of the leper's thanksgiving, when he came back with a heart of thanksgiving, then clarity was brought back and he could begin to be made whole. 
Others were healed, but he was made. Because as God healed, that vision, that perspective was healed. Does that make sense? That perspective was healed. The second thing, leprosy affected were the hands and the extremities of the body, the hands and the feet, the extremities of the body. All of the things that are connected to good works. Watch. When we move from thankfulness to unthankfulness, what happens in the process, the extremities of the body, what we are doing out, how we are helping others, our ministry to others, our ministry, everything that is outside of my core, everything that is outside of, everything that is reaching out, the extremities, does that, is that clear? The extremities began to be affected. Lepers were cast out of society. They were banished from those they loved. They were diminished to begging for their very own existence. Lepers suffered not only with pain, but with abandonment. They suffered from isolation, no real home. They, were, they had to leave their home. As a matter of fact, the home had to be rid of the disease, and if it could not be cleansed, their home was burned. This is Levitical law here. Even the ashes from the burned home had to be taken outside of the city total isolation. Now they're a man without a home, without a country. They have nothing. If there was a time that the leper was welcomed into the city, when he came into the city, he had to announce himself at a distance from everyone else. Unclean! Unclean! Unclean. What isolation? How could help? Imagine the emotional stress that was put upon a leper. Lepers suffered their loss of identity. Maybe they were a businessman, a farmer, a housewife, a mom, a dad, a grandparent. And then they came in contact and contracted this horrible disease. Everything, they lose their identity. When you read through scriptures, the names of lepers were rarely mentioned. We know about Naaman, but most of the lepers in scripture, all we know is they were lepers. We don't even know their name. Isn't that terrible? Because of their disease. They're known by their leprosy. Their identity became their problem. So now, he's just a leper. Lepers lost their dignity, their outcast. They was, as they cried unclean, they were treated as repulsive. Everything that the leper touched was defiled and considered unclean. If a leper walked up and touched a door, the door's unclean. It had to be taken out and it had to be burned. And the ashes taken outside of the city. Thanksgiving can restore your broken and shattered life. Everything that sin, unthankfulness, has taken from you can be restored. It can be restored. There is an avenue. There is a path. There is a pathway for the leper to move back into society and live normal. As rare as it was, and as many people that died with leprosy, there was a pathway that was made for them to be able to get back, although it was near impossible because very few survived it. God still had a plan for the leper. It wasn't a simple plan. Matter of fact, it was a very elaborate plan. Why, why would God make, make such an elaborate ceremony for this disease? I'm going to tell you why. 
because a lot of times, because it really had nothing to do with the disease, it had everything to do with sin. Because a lot of times people say, no, pastor, I could never, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how, where I've walked. You don't know my you don't know my habits and hang-ups. You don't know some of the sin in my life. You don't know where I've been. And so God said, okay, I'm going to create a very elaborate plan. Because if you think that your sin is so elaborate, I'm going to show you grace that is that much more elaborate. Because where sin abounds, grace did much more about, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house right now. Somebody needs to get the revelation of no matter where you've been and what you've done and how far you've walked and how scarred your life is, there is a path that God made, an elaborate plan that Jehovah God of glory would come and dwell among us and live and bleed and die and go to a cross and resurrect and ascend, resurrect and ascend into glory and make an avenue for us so that you can repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Oh, it's elaborate. It's not just, oh, just believe. No, 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 no. He made an elaborate plan just like he did for sin, just like he did for leprosy. It's an elaborate plan. It's not just a simple little plan. It's elaborate. And he did it because every time you think, nope, I'm not good enough, he says, look at this plan. Was this plan elaborate enough for you? Do you think your sin was more elaborate than my grace and mercy? Oh, what grace and mercy did for us. Why would God make such an elaborate ceremony for this disease? Because he's using leprosy as an object lesson. He wanted us to understand what sin looked like. That was because sin, like leprosy, took man so far away from God. And we, which have been born again, if we're not careful, we can go back and rebuild the things that we have once destroyed. And I'm preaching to a saved church for the most part in this room tonight and talking to a group of people that know what it is to be born again of the water and the spirit. But I'm telling you, if we're not careful, our perspective will begin to change and we'll start being unthankful and start just expecting it to be my way. I pulled through Burger King the other day and you know what they said to me? Welcome to Burger King where you rule. I said, boy, this place isn't like home. I started laughing. I said, come again? They said it a second time just for clarity. I chuckled again. I said, thank you. Ephesians chapter 4 describes religious people who get caught up in sin. Here's what it said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. I told you I've met some people like this. Because of the blindness of their heart. You get that? Blindness of their heart. Verse 19. Who being past feeling, do you see the parallel? who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness. See, it always starts out small. It's just a little expectation. I'm frustrated because it didn't go my way. And then I'm frustrated at God because he didn't do it my way. And I prayed and told God what I wanted him to do and the way I wanted him to do it. You know we have no pattern in Scripture for that. As a matter of fact, we pray in His way. We may tell Him what our desire is, but what His will is is what we should seek. But our prayer sounds more like, Lord, let Your will be my will, instead of, Lord, let my will be. start into the life 
backslides and begins to fall away from God, their perspective changes, their vision is affected. And they begin to change, their speech changes. They begin to say things like, it's not really that big of a deal. It's not really an addiction. It's only a small amount of time. It's only a small pleasure. I can handle this in time. It's just a small thing that I have to deal with. But I have to play this way in order to survive in the business world. No, you don't. No, you don't. And it goes on and on and on. A little compromise grows larger, and before long it grows into bigger sin. The writer said it like this, it's the little fox that spoils the bag. I won't be much longer. And like leprosy, sin spreads into our lives and we become insensitive to God and the things of God. And as soon as the sensitivity begins to weaken, now all of a sudden we burst into the garden and play games. We stop being truly thankful. Oh, we say, I'm thankful. But in the same sentence, we begin to express how deserving we are. Doesn't he know my sacrifices? Doesn't he know what I've done? Doesn't he know how much I give and what I do and what I lead and how many people I witness to? Doesn't he know? Leviticus 14 offered a way of hope. The law said that the leper could be healed and that the leper could be cleansed. One of the oddities of this text is that the leper would be healed of his leprosy, but he wasn't cleansed of his disease until he showed himself to the priest. He is our high priest. Do you see this here in our own scripture? He could be healed of leprosy, but wasn't cleansed until he showed himself to the priest. When David sinned with Bathsheba, what was, his, what, what was his prayer when he cried out, cleanse me, O Lord, and what did he say? Purge me with hyssop. It's an internal word that I will be clean. Wash me that I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David had sinned, and he was still overwhelmed by the filthiness of his soul. He recognized that God would be righteous if he would destroy him or wipe him out. But then David asked God to do something for him that he couldn't do for himself. Cleanse me, O God. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the prayer of the church. This is the prayer for me and you. You never, don't get self-righteous and think because you sacrificed, because you gave last Sunday, because you show up to a work day or because you're faithful. And no, Don't allow that to make you believe that we, we are deserving. We're not deserving. We are undeserving, but he is a great God. Oh, God, create with me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. David was asking God, do for me, God, what I can't do for myself. I feel like that's what God wants to do for some of us. And what he does will come through our heart of thanksgiving. Dylan, if you want to come tonight and give them a little hope this morning, I want to remind you that in the tabernacle there were sacrifices and offerings for most everything imaginable. Watch this. There was the sacrificial lamb. There were the turtle doves, all to be brought for different reasons. There were the oxen and the bulls and the goats. There were the male lamb. There were the ewe lambs. There were burnt offerings and scent offerings and drink offerings. There were meat offerings and there were blood sacrifices. And they were all offered for different reasons. But the leper, the leper was different than all of the others. Because if the man was to be healed of leprosy, he couldn't send an animal in his stead. But the man had to be brought before the high priest as the sacrifice. Then the priest had to inspect him and look him over. Oh, he's healed already. Isn't this just a rubber stamp? Absolutely not. 
priest looked him over and he looked for, he looked at his eyelids and he looked at his hands and he looked for any of the marks that may still remain. But the priest could declare him clean. I'm going to tell you what Jesus can do for you in your life. No matter how you have turned and how far you may have walked, no matter how frustrated you get and how ugly you talk, how many cuss words you use and how far you've walked away from God. None of those things matters when you come show yourself to the priest. He'll take and look you over. He'll wash you in his blood and he'll protect and perfect and cleanse you. And ultimately, this is what happens. Your thanksgiving. When you go back to him in thanksgiving, thank you, Lord what you've done for me. Thank you for the time when you brought me out of that addiction. Thank you when you saved my marriage. Thank you when you kept my home together and saved my child. Thank you, Lord. And when we are when we live in this attitude of thanksgiving, thank you for every trial I've been through and you were faithful to me. We don't have to thank him because life's been easy, but thank him because he kept us. When thanksgiving is returned, we begin to live a thankful life you will know when wholeness has come and when you're made whole because your sensitivity will once again be returned this is where I close I ask you to stand with me if you're in the room tonight and you are wrestling with that sensitivity if you come to church out of obligation and you serve God out of duty and obligation, you know what you need? You need to go to Him with a thankful heart and say, God, renew a heart of thanksgiving within me. Allow that sensitivity to your presence become fresh and anew so that when I walk into the house of the Lord, I don't take it as common. I don't take it as just another moment. But I know that I'm in your presence and I'm thankful to be in your presence. All over the room tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you want to walk to the front of the room, we're just going to come and pray just for a moment together. Everybody's welcome. Just walk to the front of the room and we're just going to pray for a moment tonight. And let's come with a heart of thanksgiving and just say to him, Lord, Restore thanksgiving in my heart. I want to thank you for the good days and bad, Lord, because you still, you're still faithful through it all. Let that thanksgiving come, that the sensitivity to the things of God be restored. I want to be sensitive to your spirit. I want to be sensitive, God, to what you are doing in my life. Come on, all over the room. Let's just turn the room into a prayer closet for a moment. Just you and God, let's just talk to him. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Why don't you sing it as a prayer to the Lord? Thank